This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Let's give Jesus praise this morning. Come on, let's lift His name up. He is King. He is Lord. He is our Savior. We worship you, God, the great Creator. We are your creation. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God. Amen. Good morning, family. Everybody well and blessed? Full of the Lord? Amen. How have you came expecting this morning? I tell you, I am so expecting what God is doing in the house. It is exciting what's happening out in the mall. Amen. How are you looking forward to seeing that? Thank God for pastors like Dr. Theo and Beverly Vormerans who are great visionaries and lead this church with passion. And we just, let's give God praise and honor for them this morning. And thank you so much to them for this opportunity. I'm ready for exciting things. How many of you are? Father, we thank you today as we come. We rejoice in your presence knowing that you are here in our midst. We've come to hear from heaven, to hear from you. And I thank you for the privilege of being a voice to your word. I do not take it lightly. I submit myself humbly under your mighty hand. I do by faith receive your grace that I may speak your word with clarity and accuracy. That as your word goes forth, you'd ignite it with your presence. Take it deep into the heart of every hearer which causes faith to rise and dispels every form of fear. As minds are renewed to your word, understanding replaces confusion. And I believe that each and every one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. For this we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, if you're ready to receive, would you shout Amen. Praise God. As you see that, open your Bible at Joshua chapter 1. Yeah, let's get into it. Joshua chapter 1. Let me see how many of you are excited about your future. How many of you believe God has a plan for you and you know it's a plan for your success? It's a plan for you to prosper. It's a plan for you to increase. Let me see your hand. How many of you are ready for the promises of God to manifest? I believe the church is entering a time of unprecedented increase. We really are on the brink of seeing an amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit, causing the church to thrive and grow like we've never seen before. The exciting news is for that to happen as a church as a whole, that means you and I as individuals are going to thrive and increase and multiply. Am you ready for that kind of life? Let me see, how many of you are ready for that kind of life? Bump your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm here today. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, God gives instruction to Joshua and says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. You will have good success. Now, how do you know that God is a God of words and every word that he uses has purpose? God doesn't use words superfluously. That word, every word is entered into a sentence for a reason. And so if God says that he's destined Joshua and we can take the same promises for us for good success, then evidently there is success that's not good. If he has to define 
good success. There is an alternative success. I don't want to spend my whole life climbing a ladder and at the end of my life find out it was on the wrong mountain. Have you say amen to that? We want to make sure that our ladder is climbing the right mountain, the, the building that God has given us. When I get to the top, I want to find that I fulfilled everything God intended for me to do. Have you say amen to that? Bump your name and say, I'm ready for good success. In fact, in fact, I'm ready for great success. Now notice, God gives it as a promise. He says, you will have good success and you will make your way prosperous. Notice, God didn't say, I will prosper you. He said, I've given you the tools, and if you use them correctly, you will prosper. You will make your way prosperous. So evidently, there's a responsibility on your and my part. And God has destined us for great success to be able to prosper in everything that He's called us to do. Have a look at 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in how many things? All things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So we, when we prosper in all things, don't just think of rands and cents. It's not just about the dollars. It's about every area of your life. Financial prosperity is included in that. But we want to prosper in our walk with God. We want to prosper in our relationship with our Father. We want to prosper in our ministry that He's called us to. We want to prosper in our physical bodies, be in health. We want our, our businesses to succeed. We want to prosper in our family. We want to be great parents to our children. We want to be great spouses to our spouse. Have you say amen to that? Prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Soul prospers. Now here, John's giving us some insight in that our soul prosperity is a very high priority because we will never prosper beyond what our soul can imagine. Our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions. In other words, you will never receive anything from God beyond your knowledge of His Word on the issue. We didn't even know we needed to be saved until someone told us about the salvation message. But once we were told about it, faith rose in our heart and we were able to receive it. We can only receive based on the knowledge of the Word of God that you have received. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I didn't know that I could believe God for healing until I saw it in the Word of God. And then when I saw it in the Word of God, it took some time to get my mind around that fact. Just because the Word says I'm healed, have you noticed it didn't just happen automatically? I needed someone to teach me to expand my soul prosperity to a point where I believed God would heal me. Then it manifested. So your soul will always limit you. God says you can prosper in all things, but the limitation will be your soul. So we're going to work on that this weekend. We're going to make sure that we can expand our soul prosperity so that we can prosper in everything that God has promised for us. How many of you are ready to receive that? So now, what is the soul? If we're going to understand how to prosper our soul, we need to understand what it is. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Paul mentions here that as a whole person, we are spirit, soul, and body. Now from that list, we immediately can deduce that the spirit and soul are not the same thing. Sometimes people confuse the two and use the words interchangeably. Their spirit or their soul. Now we notice here that we are spirit, soul, and body. Everybody say spirit, soul, and body. Now look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. The word tells us that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now notice, the word says that we are created in the image of. Now in the image of, what does that mean? Well, if I ask somebody, I, I like this pulpit, yeah, and I said, you know, I would like a pulpit just like this. Please make me a pulpit like this in the exact image of this pulpit. So they say, sure, and they go away, and then after a week they call me in, and they say, you know, go look in your study. There's, there's the pulpit's waiting for you, and I walk in, and there's this little short wooden desk. Do you think I would be impressed? Why not? Because when I said in the image of, what did you understand by that? I mean, even if they built me a pulpit that was beautiful and ornate and with, you know, glass and plutonium and everything, would I be impressed by that? I mean, it's pretty, it's nice, it's a lot of artwork, but it's not in the image of. In the image of means the exact replica. Isn't that right? Now, family, you and I are created in the image of God. You got to get a hold of this. We will never be God. He always is God. He is the creator. We are the created. But you are his son. You his daughter. You are of the God species created in his image. Now, does God have a body? John chapter 4 verse 24 says, God is spirit. How do you know God does not have a flesh body? God is spirit. Now, family of God, we sometimes think of spirit as, you know, spooky out there. You know, it's not really, it's, not, it's invisible. But how do you realize spirit has as much substance in the realm of the spirit as the natural world has substance in the natural? God doesn't float above his throne. The Bible says he's seated on his throne. Isn't that right? When he walks, you could hear his footsteps in the garden. So when you meet in heaven, your spirit, you are a spirit being. You are created of the same substance as God, which is spirit. That spirit body is as real. In fact, it's more real than this natural world. This natural world will pass away. The spirit never will. And if you were in the realm of the spirit, we could walk up to one another and shake hands. And you could feel tangibly one another. Hallelujah. Say that, I am a spirit. All right. Now, we live in a body. Okay. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, 
The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and, of the discern and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So yeah, we see the word of God tells us that the word is so powerful, it can separate spirit from soul. That shows us that the spirit and soul are not the same thing. They are related, but they are not the same thing. You are a spirit who has a soul. Do you understand that? Notice the word says it can separate bone from marrow. Imagine I went down to the butcher and I got a bone of an animal and it's, it's stripped clean, it's white. And I held that up to you and I said, what is this? You would say, it is a bone. Then I take a really sharp knife and I cleave that bone and I open it up and I scrape out all the marrow. Okay, inside there's marrow. Scrape out all the marrow, put the sides together, lift it up and I say, what is this? You will still say, it is a, a bone. So the bone is the bone with or without the marrow. But the marrow is a very important part of the bone in that the marrow gives the bone life. Can you see that? So the marrow gives bone life. Your spirit is a spirit being, but it's your soul that gives your spirit life. That soul is your mind. That's how you think. That's how you feel. That's how you make decisions. That is an intricate part of your spirit, but you are a soul you, you are a spirit who has a soul. Now, to understand how those two function together, keep reading through the revelation. The Word of God is able to separate. Remember, we talked about separating marrow from the bone. You can separate the soul from the spirit. And he talks about the thoughts from the intent of the heart. The thought from the intent of the heart. Now, again, a lot of people think of those two things as the same thing. They're not the same any more than the spirit and soul are not the same. They're of the same type, like the bone and marrow is what makes a bone, but the marrow is what gives it life. The soul is what gives your spirit life. So now you have the thoughts and the intent of the heart. There's two types of thinking happening here. Now, when we talk about the intent of the heart, we're talking about thoughts here. How many of you know that's not talking about your physical blood pump? That's not the muscle that pushes blood around your body. This is talking about the part of your spirit. We're going to have a look at that now. Notice Ephesians chapter 4. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Ephesians 4 verse 17 Thus I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. Now, how many of you know when we first got saved, we were also Gentiles? A Gentile simply is somebody without a covenant. But praise God, when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were born again into the family of God, and we received the covenant of God. So now we are no longer Gentiles. Hallelujah. Aren't you pleased about that? Notice he says, now we should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk 
in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Here again, we see the heart. Now, when we see the blindness of the heart, once again, that's obvious. It's not the blood muscle because the blood pump muscle, because that doesn't have eyes in it. Amen. But your heart can see things. All right. So now we've learned the heart can think, the heart can see. Now, the intent of your heart, the blindness of their heart, they are ignorant because of the blindness of their heart who've been past feeling having given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Now listen to verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man that was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Notice he says here in verse 23 that we must be renewed in the, in the spirit of the mind. So this is not talking about your natural mind. How many of you know your natural mind thinks? If I asked you what's 2 plus 2 plus 3, are you busy? Minus 4, what's the answer? Now, when you came to that answer, where did that happen? Where did all that work happen? Was it in your big toe? Where? Physically in your body. Up here in your head, isn't that right? In your brain. So evidently, your brain can think. But that's your natural mind. That is the natural mind. The Word tells us to renew ourselves in the spirit of the mind. What's he talking about here? Well, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his, in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. Is, is. Now, in other words, you are exactly, right now, today, exactly where you think you should be. You have the job you think you deserve. You're earning the exact income you think you should have. I love this moment because this is a turnaround point. People are like, no, no, I, I, I want. I, 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 how many of you would like to be a millionaire? Yes, amen. See, my mind wants to be a millionaire. Well, then my question is, why are you not yet? Because as you think in your heart, you see, this heart part of you 
is so critical. If we don't get this, we will fight this for the rest of our lives and not understand this. How many of you have had a situation where, I mean, you want to lose weight? You, you want to. I mean, we, you're going to lose weight. You're going to do this. You're going to make it happen. Monday's coming. I'm going to do it on Monday. We're losing weight. You put everything into it. You are so determined. And then all of a sudden, you look in your hand, and there's half a donut, and you don't know how the other half got inside you. You see, just, just thinking and wanting it in your head doesn't change and transform you. You see, this heart part of the spirit is what science has discovered, and they call it the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind. They don't really understand it because they haven't gone back to the scripture. You try and study out it. It's a mystery to science. So they figure out some things about it. But really, until you go to the Word of God and discover that it's the intimate part of you, that part that controls your very life. If I can show you how it works, as we said, the spirit has a heart. That heart can think. Your physical body has a brain. That brain can reason things. But the brain without the spirit is dead. If I think of a computer, now I'm going to talk a little bit technical, but please don't switch off. Some people, when you start talking technical, they glaze. I'm going to keep it so simple, everybody should be able to understand it. How many you understand that a computer, when it stands on the desk, has what they call a CPU in it, called the central processing unit? It's a chip about this big, that's the whole brains of the computer. That drives everything. That is the life of the computer. Now, when you look at a computer, you don't think of the brain inside. You look at a screen and a, and a, and a, and a keyboard. That keyboard without the computer is dead. What you need is an interface. So you notice the end of the keyboard, there's a plug in the back of your computer, there's a hole. When you plug that plug in the hole, that's called an interface. In between the CPU and the keyboard is this interface. That's what joins the two. The moment they are joined, the CPU gives the computer the, the keyboard life. Your, your, your keyboard comes to life. Now, when you tap on it, the CPU can take information from that keyboard process it, decide what to do, and then put stuff back on the screen through another interface. Have you got me? Okay, so I haven't lost anybody. So now here's your physical body. That physical body has a brain. Here's your spirit man with a heart. You've got a heart that wants to think, a brain that needs a process to think, and it plugs in through an interface called your soul. Are you with me? Your soul sits in your brain. Now you can use your brain and think with it. But notice what happens is when you unplug from the brain and step out your body, what happens? The body falls over and the brain stops working. But you still retain your soul. You retain all that information you have. You're not going to forget earth when you get to heaven. Come on now. 
People say, will we recognize each other in heaven? Well, will we recognize each other when we get to Cape Town? You look the same. You, you, in your body, you look the same. The only difference is the body on the outside has been ravaged by gravity and all kinds of other things, you know, time and whatever. But when you step out, you will look like a 30, 35 years old. Hallelujah. So <laughs> now that's who you are. That soul retains all its memories, all its emotions and everything. Remember the rich man in hell? Who looked across the chasm and saw his servant Lazarus. He remembered him. And then he told Abraham, tell Lazarus, bring me some water. The man's dead in hell and he's still giving instructions. And then you know the, the outcome of that. Now the, the, the point I want to make is he could remember. He had emotions. He had feelings. That's his soul. Now, here's the thing. If you can get this, that heart of you, the spirit aspect of your heart, drives everything you believe and it will override your natural mind your natural mind you can want to do something but your soul that heart thinker will decide what it gives the soul for the body to do let me use this as an example how many of you, if I invited you up now on the platform and I stood you here next to me and I told you that in that monitor on the other side is a lid. If you pull the lid off, there's 10,000 rand in there. If you go and open the lid, you can have the 10,000 rand. How many of you wouldn't mind doing that? Let me see. How many of you would cross the platform to go and fetch the 10,000? Okay. Then as you start walking... Boom! There's this huge furnace that I've arranged. There's gas pipes and everything. And there's flames burning up here in the middle of the platform. How many of you would run through that flame to get the 10,000 rand? Now you may try. You may think, I wonder how hot this is. You'll get really close to it. But if it's so hot that eventually you feel, how many of you know at, at some point you will step back and say, no, I'm not doing that. As much as you want that 10,000 rand, you can't override your spirit, your heart that's trying to protect you. It's trying to keep you alive. You getting this? Okay. Now, what happens if you're standing outside your house and your house is burning down, but you hear your baby crying inside somewhere how many of you know you will just run straight into that you'll run through burning windows burning doors smash through everywhere you can have your skin melting off you you will pick that baby up and run outside make sure it's safe isn't that right but i i, I just showed you your brain will stop you from going but your spirit will override that see what you believe in your spirit no matter how much you think something, you may want something out there. This heart has been programmed since the day you were born. Things that your parents have told you, things that your teachers have told you, friends, experiences, good and bad, tragedies, successes. This has programmed you to believe a certain way. And so when you see something is available, you start to reach out for it. But your heart says, no, if you go there, it will not be wrong. It'll, it'll, it'll hurt you, it'll damage you. And your heart will bring you right back to where 
you belong. As you think in your heart, so are you. So how do I get out there then? There's so many things that God has promised me. So many things that I can have. So many things that God wants me to experience, wants me to prosper in. You want to be that millionaire. What's stopping you? It's an inner belief system. Now the good news is, that heart can be reprogrammed. Reprogrammed. Just like that computer. How many of you ever had a computer that's really sluggish? Doesn't seem to work, always seems to be crashing. You take it to an expert, what do they do? They wipe it clean, they reload new, the modern, the newer drivers, everything, and all of a sudden, that computer goes to life. Family of God, God has given us the ability to reprogram our spirit. How many of you want to reprogram your heart for great success? Let me see. Then you do not want to miss tonight. I'm telling you, this is critical. I know sometimes people are once a week in top people, you know. This weekend is going to be different because you want to see the change. Tonight, I'm going to show you. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to give you the tools to be able to reprogram your heart. And this is not just simply reading a scripture, renew your mind. We know the scripture. I'm going to show you how to do it. When you walk out here tonight, you're going to have the ability to go home and decide what your future looks like and set it in place. That it will happen. You will make your way prosperous. And you will have great success. Come on, give Jesus praise. How many of you know somebody who needs to hear that? Invite them. Bring them with. Don't come alone tonight. We're going to have a great time in the Word of God. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.